Welcome to this week's episode of Lash Biz Babes, the podcast for solo beauty business owners who want to build a full clientele and create a business and life that they truly love. My name is Erica. I'm your host. I'm a lash artist turned beauty business coach and lash educator. And our episode this week is a little out of the norm for around here. We are obviously very business focused typically. However, this week we have an episode all about eye health and lash extensions. And the reason that I feel like this topic fits really well on a business focused lash extension podcast is because the safety of our clients and the eye health of our clients really should be the utmost priority in our businesses for the longevity of our careers. So if you want a long-term career as a lash artist, eye health and safety should be your number one priority as the lash professional. So this week I brought on Janice Luke, who is an optometrist based in Canada. She's been practicing for seven years and you may have seen her viral reels this summer all about lashes and eye health. And she kind of takes like an optometrist perspective on things, of course, and shares her viewpoint, uh, shares tips and tricks, shares all kinds of things related to eye health and lashes. So her and I connected on Instagram this summer and we said, hey, let's bring this to the podcast. Let's talk about this some more. So I asked her a ton of questions. She shared a ton of knowledge all about eye health and lash extensions. Um, I asked her every question I could think of that I personally selfishly wanted to know the answer to. (laughs) Um, And it is honestly packed full. We recorded this episode a little while ago now, maybe a little over a month ago. And when I was editing it to get it posted, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is so good. It's packed full of knowledge. You're going to love it. So I'm really excited to have you listen to it. Uh, Before we jump into the episode, I just wanted to shout out and give a big thank you to this week's sponsors. Prolong Lash sponsored this episode of Lash Biz Babes. So let me tell you a little bit about Prolong. Since its inception in 2009, Prolong Lash has committed its efforts and expertise to providing the best aftercare products for the lash industry. From its humble beginnings in the front room of a house to taking the brand to a global scale, Prolong Lash has consistently listened to its customers and provided them with the solution they have longed for. It's no wonder that they are the world's most loved eyelash extension aftercare specialists. Their mission is to provide business solutions to lash professionals to become successful entrepreneurs. They educate and share their knowledge to create a thriving lash community, supporting and helping each other grow. I was so excited that they are sponsoring this week's episode because I love Prolong Concentrate. I've used it with a ton of my clients and they always noticed the difference. They were like, this feels so much better than any other lash wash I have ever had on my eyes before. And they always asked to have their lashes washed before the service because they loved that part of it because of the lash wash itself. So big shout out to them. Thank you for sponsoring. But other than that, let's jump right into this week's episode because you are in for a treat and a lot of knowledge this week. Okay, so welcome to Lash Biz Babes. I'm so thrilled to have you on the show today. So if you first would just like to introduce yourself and tell us what you do. I'm so happy to be here. So my name is Janice Luke. I'm an optometrist and I currently practice in Vancouver, British Columbia. Um, An optometrist is basically like your family doctor for the eye. So we take a look at your prescription as well as the general health. And if we have any significant concerns, there's always ophthalmologists that we can refer you to. 
So that's the general gist of what I do. Awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. And how long have you been um, doing this for? I graduated in 2016, so I still feel like a new grad, but it's been about six, actually seven, seven years now. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah, I feel like 2016 was yesterday, and then you're like, oh my gosh, that was seven years ago. <laughs> it's wild, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So how did you get into your profession? That's a good question. So I actually started wearing glasses myself in grade one. I don't have the best vision and I didn't always love going to the optometrist. I felt like there was always a communication aspect that, that was missing. So I love that we have so much one-on-one -on -one time with our patients. And I guess you probably feel the same way with your clients too, because you get to know them really well. And it's nice because it's one-on-one -on -one time. So it's a little different than other professions. Yeah, definitely. Um, the one-on-one -on -one time with clients with lash extensions is definitely one of my favorite parts of doing lashes for sure. So, you know, you've created several reels on eyelash extensions and eye health. So what made you decide to talk about this on social media? Because I don't think I've really seen a lot of optometrists talk on the topic and most of them usually have a very negative outlook on eyelash extensions. So I would just love to hear what the inspiration behind that was. For sure. So I started seeing a lot of patients with lash extensions in my chair. And the problem with it is if they are not taking good care of their lashes, it can not look so great under the microscope. So once you have these candid conversations with these patients, I start to find that they understand the importance of taking care of their lashes and their eye health in general. And patients are going to go and do their lash extensions regardless of whether I tell them not to. <laughs> they might as well do it in a way that's more beneficial for their eye health. So my job is not to tell someone not to do something or to do something. It's more to empower them, give them their tools, and they can make their own educated choices. So as much as I respect the optometrists that might not look so highly upon lash extensions, it's everyone's different prerogative, how they want to handle patient care. So that's that. But how I got into it was because I started noticing all these patients in my chair and so education is one of my really important I guess, values in terms of being an optometrist. So I just wanted to educate patients or clients. And then what better way to do it than social media? Most definitely. And that's a really cool outlook that you have, like just empowering them with the education. I think that a lot of lash artists can even learn from that as well, as far as, uh, you know, the aftercare and stuff. It's like, OK, let's educate them and make sure that they know how to take care of their lashes and let them do with that what they will type of thing but it's like on us as the professional to make sure that we are giving them that information and helping them to make the most of their investment that's what I how I always love to frame it to clients too is like this is not just for the fun of it or because like I want you to come back or buy these products for me or whatever this is to help you make the most of all this money you just spent on eyelash extensions. So I love the outlook that you have on that there. So how long have you been practicing for and about how often do you see patients with eyelash extensions issues coming in? So I've been practicing since 2016, and I've actually practiced in Toronto, Vancouver, and Vancouver Island now. So I got a nice, interesting, of I guess, bigger city slash demographics. In terms of patients coming with eyelash extensions, almost one every day, I feel like. In terms of issues with eyelash extensions, actually, it's not as common. However, I do notice that a lot of patients that come in with lash extensions have a lot of buildup on them. So my number one usual spiel is, are you cleaning your lashes or what are you cleaning your eyelashes with? And 
generally leads to a whole avenue of different conversations after that. So that's the fun part of it. A proportion of patients coming in with lash extensions do have blepharitis or a lot of buildup on their lashes. That makes sense. And I mean, from a lash artist perspective, I see that a lot too. And do you feel like that conversation is ever awkward? Like the, are you cleaning your lashes? Because I think there's a lot of lash artists out there that don't know how to approach that conversation. Whereas they see that, okay, this blepharitis is starting or this buildup is happening, but I don't know how to talk to my client about that. So any insight on how that conversation goes for you? That's fair. I'm actually curious. So when you guys take a look at your clients, do you guys usually use loops or anything like anything high powered in terms of magnification? Um, It honestly depends on the lash artist. There are several out there that I have seen that use loops. There's a lot that use magnifying glasses as well, but really it just depends on the artist and what they're wanting to use or personal preference with that. That's fair. So the reason I ask that is because I get to take a look at patients with really high power magnifiers or slit lamps. And usually what I, how I start the conversation is I go, oh, I see you have lash extensions on. So what are you cleaning your lash extensions with? It's not even a question of, are you cleaning your lash extensions? It's just what product are you using? And they'll usually say, oh, I'm not cleaning them. And that just leads to the whole conversation. Uh, Visuals are super important for me. So one of the cool things about one of the clinics I'm at is there's a slit lamp camera. So I can literally take a photo of that person with their lash extensions and their blepharitis on. And then I show them, this is what your lashes look like. And this is what they should look like. And that is usually enough to convince them to want to clean their lashes. That's awesome. And yeah, I mean, I've done that as a lash artist. I mean, mine's not super zoomed in or probably as high powered or high quality as yours, but I've definitely been like, here's what I'm seeing from my end. And I think that everyone can, you know, learn from you on that. Whereas, okay, the visuals give them like a really good, okay, here's why it's not just, you know, it's not just because I'm saying you should, or again, because I think you should buy these products from me. It's because this is what your eyes look like. And that's, you're not going to keep getting lashes or not going to be able to keep getting eyelash extensions done if this continues type of thing. So thanks for sharing on that. Cause yeah, that's definitely a awkward point of conversation for a lot of lash artists that I've found. Um, so what are the most common issues that you are seeing happening with lash extensions? Most common definitely is blepharitis. Um, that's basically where there's a biofilm or buildup. It's similar to plaque that builds up on teeth. That's how I usually explain it to patients. But when there's an extra layer of lash extension, I guess synthetic fibers there, it creates an easier area for the biofilm to adhere, which is why it's so common. The problem with blepharitis is it's not just an isolated issue. So it can cause its inflammation essentially because it's bacteria, oils, and demodex mites that are overpopulated on your eyelid margin. And this biofilm can lead to things like styes, infections, dry eye is a huge one. And that just, it's a whole rabbit hole of issues that can happen afterwards. Another super common thing is patients with lash extensions tend to have more dry eye. So part of that is because naturally our lashes should be one third of the width of our eyeball. And when we go and extend that, then it creates almost like a wind tunnel. So a lot of dryness can happen from that regard. And lastly is the allergic response, which I'm sure you guys see more actually of it than we do. Just by the time they're in our chair, usually it's it's probably the worst of it's over already. Yeah. Um, I actually haven't seen, I mean, I've been doing eyelash extensions for since 2014 and I don't, wouldn't say I've seen a ton of like true actual allergies, definitely a lot of sensitivities or, Mm -hmm. you know, those types of issues, but actual true allergies, I would say very few in 
at least in my experience. But yeah, they definitely um, come through a lot. And I've had a lot of students that have dealt with them as well. So what do you feel lash artists need to be more educated about or even should be educating their clients more on when it comes to eye health with eyelash extensions on? Good question. One of the cool things I think is that you guys see our patients so much more than we do. So a regular human will come in for an eye checkup every two years, let's say if they have no eye concerns, you guys see your clients on average, I think about four to six weeks, if they're doing a fill or more. Yeah, I would say <laughs> and, sometimes even sooner. I feel like if they have good retention, if the artist yeah. has good retention, it can be four to six. I would say more common is probably every two to four, depending on the artist, for sure. For sure. And because they're on your, I guess, your table or the, the comfy bed that you guys have for quite a period of time, they end up talking to you. And so the thing that I find is interesting is case history is the most important for me in any eye exam, just because patients will tell you generally what's going on with them. And you can gear your eye exam towards what their issues or concerns are. So one of the more common issues most patients face is dry eye. And it'd be nice if let's say if you hear of any patients that have dryness going on in their eyes with their lash extensions, then if you can direct them to an optometrist, treatment isn't just eye drops anymore. So back in the day, we used to just give eye drops or warm compresses and say, have a good next two years. So there are just so many more refined avenues of treatment that we can offer to patients. And even you guys identifying that could be one of the key factors. So it's nice that you guys could educate as well. Um, and obviously the blepharitis, so the cleansing of the lashes are so important. And I know a lot of lash artists right now are really pushing towards daily cleansing. And that's so good that you guys are doing that. Yeah, that's definitely been more of a push. I would say even just the last two to three years has been a lot more commonplace and a lot more education around it. But before that, it was like a don't get them wet kind of thing. There was no lash wash. Um, I even worked at a place that wanted us to clean them with like dial antibacterial hand soap. What? It was yeah, it was oh. very strange. And I was like, that that's not made for the eyes. I had such no. a hard time. Anyway, that was the whole other story working at that place. But yeah, I the push to cleanse and educate clients has been really great the last few years. And I that's something that I hope to see um continue to happen in the lash industry for sure. <laughs> Okay, since we are talking to Janice about the importance of eye health and using ophthalmologically tested products for your client's eyes, I have an amazing product recommendation for you today. Look no further than Prolong Lash. I have personally used Prolong Cleanser over the last few years of lashing, and I put in all of my students' kits as well because it is a product that I full-heartedly believe in. Prolong Lashes exclusive formula is ophthalmologically tested and FDA approved, which means it is the safest choice for eyes. But here's the best part. Prolong Lash Cleanser isn't just a game changer for your client's eye health. It's the profit rocket your business needs. And who doesn't want to supercharge their salon profit? Thanks to Prolong Lash Concentrate, you can craft your own signature lash shampoo, raking in an impressive 65% profit margin on cleanser sales. Join the thousands of lash artists across 85 countries worldwide already boosting their retail profits with Prolong Lash. It's time to give your clients the gift of flawless lashes all while growing your business. Head over to www.prolonglash.com and start shopping today. Prolong Lash, where lash aftercare meets business excellence. And you can find the link to shop all things Prolong right in the show notes below. And so with the dry eyes and stuff, what types of symptoms would be, would 
maybe someone who's wearing eyelash extensions be experiencing so that they know, okay, maybe when should I be referring out? Because, well, and that's another thing too. I feel like there's a lot of lash artists who kind of get, they don't realize that they should be referring out to an eye doctor in different circumstances and that that's out of our scope of practice to be like referring them to, okay, try these eye drops or try this medication or, you know, put this on your eyes. So first, I guess I went off on a little tangent there, but specifically for dry eyes, what symptoms should they be looking for to referring to an eye doctor? In terms of dry eye, the main, there, there's tons of symptoms. So it's really interesting. I love this disease because no two people have the same symptoms or signs or anything. It's like a puzzle. So usually I'd say red, watery, gritty eyes, foreign body sensation. It might come up as itching as well too for patients. Some patients experience blurry vision because their tear film is unstable from the dry eye. So it could be in the form of styes. So styes is a form of dry eye called meibomian gland dysfunction where the glands around your eyelids get clogged up. And it might already be that the patient has an underlying issue with dry eye before they come in for their lash extension. So it's not to say that the lash extensions caused it, but it could have, I guess, pushed them through their threshold. So even identifying these symptoms and telling them, hey, you should probably go see your local optometrist just to get some other insight because treatment, it can be eye drops, it can be warm compresses, which was a little bit more old school, but we have things like IPL, so intense pulse light. We have lipoflow, ILUX, different thermal pulsation techniques, basically, which can help clear out those glands and so much more other stuff down the pipeline in terms of prescription drops and stuff that we can offer to patients so that they can still continue to get their lash extensions, but at least we know that we're co-managing them to make sure they're doing it in the right way. I love that. And I feel like I just learned so much, even in those just like minute there. (laughs) Um, But that's the thing is like that as lash artists, as we're learning more, we're we're empowering ourselves with education to be able to give our clients a better experience and have like longevity with eyelash extensions, because uh, obviously we want clients to come back in and be able to continue to get the service done. Even, I mean, clients sometimes get them on for years and years in a row. And so eye health is going to be something that's super important and something we want to be able to empower ourselves with that education on so that our clients can continue to keep getting the service done. So are there any other instances when you would say a lash artist should be referring their client to an eye doctor? That's a really good question. And I would say anytime you feel like something's not right with the client's eyes, (laughs) Whether it's an allergic response or even if you see the blepharitis and you don't know how to approach that conversation, at least, I don't know, just send them our way so that we can have that difficult conversation with them. Um, But generally, styes, um, redness is another one too. So if you see the patient comes in every time and their eyes are red and it's not even just because of the glues or the fumes around it, it's before you start lashing their eyes are red. Redness is an indicator of inflammation. So something's going on with this patient for sure. And it could be dryness, but the dryness could have 10 million reasons why their eyes are dry. So it's good to, I guess, send them off. (laughs) Another thing I would love to do at some point is to have some kind of website put in place. It'd be so nice for lash artists to have just, let's say, a list of optometrists that are eyelash extension friendly. So you guys can have some kind of a network to just refer to. It would be an ideal world, but that's like a project down the pipeline. That would honestly be so cool. Uh, Because I think that's another thing that we run into too, is like just not knowing 
any eye doctors or especially eyelash extension friendly ones or those who are even educated about them as well because you know the lash industry is still relatively new I mean 20 you know early 2000s late 90s so there's a lot of education that I feel like is uh I don't know if it's like on the optometrist side if that's just not something you that's been learned a lot but I like I guess I guess I've just seen so much negative outlooks on it and even when I went in one time and had eyelash extensions on they were like you should take those off and at the end of the day I just feel like there's not a lot of eyelash extension friendly uh, optometrists out there or at least not that I've run into so that's why another reason why I was really excited when I found you on Instagram because I think it's really cool and again you know the education and the empowering so I think that idea would be awesome and you should definitely do it if that's um something that you've got on the mind (laughs) thanks for that yeah it's a another little passion project but (laughs) yeah definitely so can you share with us a little about our allergic reactions so things like you know what symptoms would be caused what's the best course of action that type of thing For sure. So the most common, I guess, allergic reaction to the lash extension would be something called contact dermatitis. So basically, it's where the skin or the eyelid around the eyes can get very swollen, red, irritated. And it can appear a few minutes after or sometimes after a few hours. And it can be a delayed response as well, too. So sometimes it's not the first instance where the patient comes in or the client comes in for their lash extensions, they could come back. And the second time, they could get their allergic response. So it's kind of interesting from that regard. Usually it's because of the glue and the specific ingredients, obviously the cyanoacrylate. And the reason why is because it releases some form of ingredient called formaldehyde. And no matter what you guys are trying to do to mitigate that, the fumes will still be there. So if the patient is allergic to this ingredient, there's really no way to, I guess, avoid it. Um, I don't know if you guys see that often or if you do see the allergic responses, do they happen in your chair or generally do the clients call you back? Um, I would say most often in my experience, like I was saying, I haven't run into a ton of clients who've had true allergies, but the ones that I have um, seen, it's usually within about 24 hours or so. Um, And definitely within like the first 48 hours, if they're going to be allergic or have those type of symptoms, it's going to present itself within that time frame. For sure. Another one, I'm not sure if this is just a myth, because obviously I'm not super familiar with all the products you guys are using during your lashing, but the eyelid tape. So I know you guys have the gel pads that kind of line the skin around the patient's eyes or the client's eyes. Some of them I've heard have a preservative, I can't even pronounce the name, it's methylthiazolinone or something, but apparently that's another trigger because that can cause an allergic response for some patients who have super sensitive skin. Yes. And that's something I've seen too, is like where they're allergic, even sometimes to the gel pads or the tape, there's different ingredients in there, especially if they're the gel pads that, well, it, it kind of depends on the quality you're buying because sometimes with like the Amazon yeah. ones and things, there are different, not as high quality ingredients in them, or they kind of get into the water line almost and fill with water. And then all those ingredients are kind of going into the eye from there. And then they can have sensitivities or even sometimes allergies to that as well. So I I think that's one of the times when it's kind of hard to like pinpoint, okay, is this a true allergy to the adhesive? Is this an allergy to one of the ingredients in like the gel pad or the tape or, you know, being able to decide, is this a sensitivity or true allergy? I think it can be a pain point for some lash artists, especially ones who are newer and maybe just not as familiar with allergies or sensitivities in general 
for sure. Another one that I've noticed is that there was a reel, I guess, that was trending at some point where the client or the patient had to hand, didn't have their eyes fully closed when they were doing the lashing. So what can happen, the reason why the patient or the client gets so irritated then is because you've left a line basically exposed. When you blink, your eyelid should actually go through your entire tear film or your entire eye and coat it with a nice, fresh layer of tears. So if you have a client who is, I guess, reclined with their eyes open with a little slit for let's say an hour or an hour and a half, what happens is that they get exposed. And not only is it exposed, it's exposed to the fumes that are a little reaction of the chemical reaction happening on their eyes. And that's why they could leave super irritated. Um, when you guys take your before and after photos, I guess, of clients, I don't know if you noticed that sometimes the before their eyes are pretty white and then they're after they're like, oh, they're so red. And part of it could be that. So even something as simple as making sure your client has their eye fully closed when you're adhering all the tape and the gel packs, just check. <laughs> and that could make the world of a difference from a comfort perspective, as well as the exposure perspective, because they can cause very unhappy cells, which can cause exposure keratopathy. We don't like that. It's very bad. So. Yes. So would that be considered like a chemical burn or what's the technical term for that? Usually what we would see under the microscope after something like that is something called SPK. So um, superficial keratitis but essentially all the cells around the the cor on the cornea will be very unhappy and they'll start to stain because they've desiccated so it's not necessarily a burn it's just more an irritation or how can I best describe it it's it's just the first layer of the eye will become almost how do I say? the cells are just very unhappy also we it's just not good that makes sense and that's something I've noticed too is with sensitivities or if they have red eyes, if they're coming back or they're complaining about that, typically that's one that you'll see sometimes even during the appointment or right after the appointment, they can have red eyes, but that's something that can present itself within like even the first, I don't know, 24 hours or so. Usually I feel like most will wake up the next day and have their red eyes. Um, but what I always tell my students, you know, if it's red eyes, that's more sensitivities, either their eye was open or the gel pods or the tape were too close and rubbing. And then if it's like puffy, itchy eyes, then that's more so an allergy of some sort. Um, so that's something that I've noticed myself over the last eight years of just the difference between the two and kind of troubleshooting. Okay, is this an allergy? Is this a sensitivity or, you know, kind of what's going on here? That's fair. And then I don't know if there's a standard of practice at all for you guys to instill any preservative free, I guess, ointments or artificial tears into the client's eyes before you guys start lashing. I don't know if that messes up your process. I don't know that it would mess up the process. However, I'm not sure. I think it depends on the state if it's in your scope of practice to be administering any type of eye drops mm, to I your see. clients. Um, so I think that's something where they could potentially you can hand it to them and have it do them. They can do it themselves. Um, mm. I know a studio I worked at once, we just had like saline solution. Um, so I feel like that one is more common, but act as far as actual um, any type of eye drops, I think it really depends on what the scope of practice is for the state and what you're allowed to do versus not allowed to do with your licensing. That's fair. The reason I bring that up is because adding a layer, some patients don't close their eyes fully when they sleep naturally. So what one of the treatment recommendations we give is applying preservative-free ointment in so that it keeps that lid moisturized or the eye moisturized while the patient is sleeping. So if you had, I guess, that layer of an ointment there, it would not only, I guess, protect the client's eyes from the fumes, but it would also, if there is a little gap there, also keep their eyes lubricated during the process. Totally. And that makes a lot of sense. Um, I know I have uh, one of my really good lash friends and 
she has like they'll just open just the tiniest little bit and she'll get that irritation and that's something that can happen if the client is talking if they're moving around if they're like kind of animated at all and like their cheeks are moving around it can not just open like their eyes are opening but also move like the tape or the gel pads around too so if anyone who's listening if you're having issues with that um, I feel like if you can get the client to cut down on talking, kind of just relax. I had one client, though, who every time she fell asleep, she was super jerky and would move around. So my goal for her was like to keep her awake. But, um, you know, whatever is going to help the client to really relax and not be um, super fluttery. There's some clients I feel like that can talk and not have issues, but that I feel like is definitely one of the bigger culprits of having open eyes during the appointment as well. And then also, if you're a client who tapes your clients, or sorry, if you're a lash artist who tapes your client's lashes back, that's another thing that can cause the eyes to be open, like Janice was talking about, um, and even just slightly. So if you have that lash mirror, like a dental mirror at all, you can look on the bottom side and see, is there any whites of the eyes that are showing? And that can tell you, okay, I need to readjust. So that's something that I always check when I tape their eyelids back or tape their lashes up at all to get bottom layers is just double checking that A, the tape and the gel pads aren't on the waterline at all, but also the eye is not open so that they're comfortable. And the client really, if their eye is open at all during the service, they're going to know like, they can feel that. And I've been on the receiving end of that, whereas it's going to be stingy. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to cause their eyes to water as well. And so that can be really an indication if their eyes are watering, they're having, you know, you got to go check it with something, even if they're not bringing it up or saying anything. But that's also another thing where I like to tell them at the beginning of the appointment, hey, if this gets stingy, uncomfortable it's hurting your eyes at all please speak up and let me know because that opens that door of conversation with the client and helps them to feel more comfortable speaking up to you because some of them are really nervous especially if it's their first time meeting you they don't want to like be like uh hey my eyes are hurting or it's stinging and especially if it's like mid-appointment and you haven't been talking to them or you know they've been relaxing it's kind of like awkward to bring up so I love to open that door of communication for them to speak up because that definitely is uncomfortable from the client's end. And I've been, yeah, like I said, I've been on the receiving end of that and it doesn't feel good. It's definitely very unhappy cells. <laughs> yeah, that's those are really valid points. I like that. So 100% the watering is a telltale sign that something's not quite right. And you're 100% right. Even in our chair, patients are not always comfortable sharing things with us. So opening that door of communication is so important so that they know that any discomfort is not normal. Yeah, I would definitely agree. And I just have run into that so often that that even in my with my students, I'm like telling them that you've got to open that door of communication. It's really going to help and go a long way. And I feel like that's just something so little that you can do to make their experience mm -hmm. better with you and something that not a lot of the lash, other lash artists are doing. So it's going to make them want to come back to you for the sake of, um, you know, they felt comfortable speaking up and telling you something that was going, you know, feeling uncomfortable throughout the service. So as we were talking about, you know, allergic reactions, do allergies ever get better or will the client always be allergic? Now, I think we touched on this just a little bit, but if we could go a little, you know, talk about it a little bit more. Yeah, unfortunately, once the body creates its antibody against the allergen, um, it usually won't go away. So if anything, the client's more likely to have a stronger reaction the next time that they get the offending agent too close to their eye again. So I still think there has to be a point. I know this is still a business for you guys, but it's important that at some point, if a 
client you feel like is not going to be, it's not in the best interest of their health, just deny them. It's it's for your own sake as well. It's for their sake. It's it's just better for everyone in that area. I definitely agree with that. And at this point, I mean, I don't really take clients anymore, but when I was, if they had had previous issues or allergies, I just mm-hmm. totally was like, I'm so sorry, but you're not a good candidate for the service. Um, I know there's some lash artists that will try like clear adhesive or sensitive adhesive or, you know, some different things to see, can I still lash this client? But for me, at the end of the day, it just wasn't worth it. I just found that they continued to be allergic or have reactions at some level um, if it was a true allergy. For sure. And I have read a lot of, I guess, the lash glue ingredients and even the sensitive ones still contain the cyanoacrylate from what I understand. And sometimes it's the, is it the carbon black as well? That could also be the pigment, I guess, that causes the allergic response too. But regardless, I feel like in order to have that bond, you guys have to have that ingredient in there. And so no matter what you're using at that point, it's still going to be an allergic trigger for the patient. Right. And so do other acrylates have that same type of trigger reaction? Can it cause that same kind of reaction? Because I have seen a couple adhesives that have come out in the last couple of years that are cyanoacrylate free, but obviously they still have to have some kind of acrylate in it to be, because that's the ingredient that makes the adhesive stick. Without it, there's not lash glue. So are there other um, acrylates that maybe wouldn't cause that allergy or what's your education or, or um, opinion on that? <laughs> My opinion on that one is I actually have no idea. So <laughs> it all depends on the, the fact that it's formaldehyde releasing. So I, I don't know the chemical reaction, I guess, that causes that, but I just know the cyanoacrylate is generally, I know there's probably different forms of it, so I can't speak for that and be... I really don't know. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. I thank you for your honesty on that. I just think that, um, you know, the more we can, the more we know as the lash artist, like you were saying, the more education we can have on that, the more, the better. But, um, that's something that I would encourage everyone listening. Like if you've never researched Santa Racolette too, like go look it up and read more about it and learn more about it. Because I did that like two years ago and I learned so much more on Google from, about Sanaraculate and lash adhesive than I ever did in a lash training. So, you know, empower yourself, um, equip yourself with that knowledge. And I think that's definitely going to help go a long way in your career. Um, and so would you ever recommend, so this is, this has been a trend. I know, you know, what question I'm asking, cause it's on your outline, but this started on TikTok was the first time I saw this where people were yes. using Flonase as a way to, uh, basically mitigate lash adhesive reactions allergic reactions is this something that you recommend is it helpful I want to hear all your all your thoughts on this because I I I mean I have my own thoughts but I want to hear yours so I'll let you share okay I'd love to hear your thoughts afterwards too (laughs) but my I did a reel on this actually just in response to that but no I do not recommend that you use Flonase to treat quote-unquote an allergic reaction because first of all you don't know if it's an allergic reaction or not so that's number one number two is Flonase is a steroid so the type of steroid is called fluticasone it is meant to be applied into your nose to treat allergic rhinitis so (laughs) when you're applying this on the eyelid 
steroids in general, we do have steroid eye drops, but it comes with a huge caution sign that says, A, it can increase your eye pressures, which can then lead to glaucoma if you're using it long-term, which I know that's not what you guys are doing. Um, but number two is it can have the side effect of causing cataracts too. So generally speaking, those steroids that we prescribe around the eyes are safe for the eyes. And as far as I understand, fluticasone is not one of those steroids. So I do not recommend that. Number two or number three is that it can mask the reaction. So let's say if a patient is truly having allergic response, why would you want to mask that? It just, it just doesn't seem right. I would just say go, if the patient is having a allergic response that you know of, first of all, don't lash them. And if they are having allergic responses the first time, send them to see an optometrist. And then that way they can actually treat the condition that's going on. Yes, I love all your all your thoughts there. Um, and I definitely would agree with that. Um, with this use of steroids, you said there are some that are able to be used around the eye. Is that something that could potentially help a client who is having an allergic reaction? Would they be able to continue to get eyelash extensions in that case? Or what are your thoughts there? There are certain types of ointments or eye drops actually for that we can use for certain types of eye conditions. But if a patient is having a contact dermatitis, yes, we have prescribed prescription steroid eye drops to apply on the eyelid. I still wouldn't recommend repeating <laughs> only because you already know it's an allergic response. So you're, you're masking the reaction or you're calming down the reaction, but ultimately the client is still having a reaction. So I would say no. Good to know. That is something I learned in one of the last trainings is that you could refer clients out. They could get, I believe, was dexamethasone. Yes. And so I wondered because I'm like, you know, you learn what you learn in lash extension trainings, but it's different when you're coming from an actual optometrist perspective. So thank you for sharing that with us. <laughs> um, so that, I mean, that cover, kind of covers my next question for you. I was going to ask if there's anything we can do for allergic clients to mitigate reactions. Did you have any other thoughts there? I always believe in patch testing. However, I know it doesn't necessarily work with the flow of the way that your practice might work. Um, if you have a client that you know has generally very sensitive skin, it might be worthwhile to patch test them prior to them actually getting their lashes put on. That's just my that makes sense. Um, and I would say with patch tests too, like eyelash extension adhesive is not made to go on people's skin. I'm going to say that okay. for everyone out there listening. It's not meant to go on the skin. So don't patch test on their skin. Um, the most success I found with patch testing is actually applying just a few lashes. I like to do all the way throughout the lash line just so that you know, there are some on there all the way throughout and they can see, is this, you know, is this going to have any type of reaction? So you're not applying a full set more. So I don't know, maybe like 15 or 20 per eye and just see how they do. Um, I wouldn't say it's necessarily going to be a full indication of, is this client going to react or not? Just because obviously you're using a lot more of the adhesive in a full set, um, and that type of thing. Um, and like you were saying earlier, they can develop a reaction at any point, even if they didn't react in the past. So with patch tests, definitely just remember that it's not always going to be a full indication, but definitely, like you were saying, for sensitive clients, if they've had a potential sensitivity or allergy in the past, I feel like it's really beneficial as well. Um, but I've just seen a lot that have like 
put the adhesive right on the skin and it's just not meant for that. So uh, be careful with how you are doing your patch testing is all I'm going to say. That's really cool, actually. I, I didn't even think of that either. So thanks for educating me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you. I mean, I'm learning so much from you today, too. So thank you for that. Um, And so another one that is quite controversial right now a lot a lot of discussion around this currently um obviously so uv lash adhesive with the uv lights this is relatively new there has been like i believe at least one company that has had it for longer um and never well here's from my perspective there was basically one company that came out with it and it never took off, really. They've been around since, but I just don't feel like it got very big. And then all of a sudden, there's this big boom of a bunch of lash companies releasing it all at the same time. So it's been a very wide discussion and a lot of different claims as to the safety of it around the eyes. So I just thought, you know, we've got an eye doctor here on the show today. I want to ask your opinion on it because safety of clients eyes is something that's very important to me as a lash artist I think it should be very important to all the lash artists out there because again it's longevity of your clients being able to come in the longevity of your career as a lash artist and um, you know if you have practices whether that's with the products you're using the techniques you're using anything like that like if safety of your clients and the health of their eyes is not your top priority I, I, that's not a good thing so I want to hear your thoughts on UV curing adhesive. Um, you know, what's your take on the use of it and the health or the safety of the eyes? So actually, thank you for putting this on my radar because I actually have never heard about this till I read <laughs> about oh, this new trend. So I, I learned a lot. The last month, it's been, well, probably the last... I don't really know. In, in the last month, it's been talked about a lot because like I was saying, it was on the market. It didn't really take off. And then like years later, a bunch, like so many lash companies all came out with it at the same time. So in my in my opinion, I kind of think like the manufacturers must have been, you know, gotten a hold of something and or created a, you know, a cheaper version of it. I'm not sure exactly there. My thought is just the manufacturers kind of got a hold of it and mass produced it out to a bunch of different and sold it to a bunch of different companies. Um, Interesting. Mm -hmm. So you, but UV lights with eyes, like any thoughts there? <laughs> yeah. So generally speaking, one of the spiels I say literally to every patient coming in is UV protection is your number one best friend for multiple reasons. So one being that UV can penetrate your eye. Um, usually it's absorbed by the cornea and the lens. So it doesn't usually get to the retina, but that's why we get things like cataracts and um, the skin around your eyes is actually the thinnest. So there are always a higher chance of malignancies like skin cancers that can develop around the eyes when you have too much UV exposure, which is why we always recommend sunglasses for every patient coming in. So I started doing some research after we put this on my radar. And from what I understand, some of the UV lights that they're using, the wavelength is actually about 390 nanometers from one of the companies I researched. Visible light is generally about 400 to 750 nanometers. So that's considered quote unquote safe. Um, shorter wavelengths are generally a little bit more quote unquote damaging. I can't speak for the science just because I don't know what the standardization is. They're, they're very elusive on the website. So it's not like it's a I don't feel like it's a medical device where they actually tell you the parameters. So it's very loose. When it's loose like that, all I think of is UV and the eye usually is a no-go. So we don't like having a 
patient exposed to UV with consistent intensity for about, I don't know, 30 minutes to one hour, they're claiming that it takes less time to do with the UV light, I think I read. Yeah, I mean, I haven't used the system personally, so mm. I just know what I've been researching on it, um, you know, what I've read from different companies who are selling the product, um, and, you know, the education that they're posting about that. So from my understanding, it is supposed to take less time because it cures faster. You can work next to basically lash to lash without having them because typically you're going most people go back and forth between eyes or at least jumping around on the eye. So because if you do them right next to each other, it has the chance of sticking together and causing two lashes to stick together and causing mm -hmm. stickies. So generally speaking, you know, that can take a little bit more time if you're jumping back and forth. The adhesive's still carrying those types of things. But from my understanding, it's supposed to cut down on time because it cures faster, you can work a little bit faster. So I'm not sure exactly how much time that would actually cut off, but also that depends on how fast the lash artist works too. Uh, because, you know, having to make, create the lash fans or, you know, do pickup and dipping and placing and isolating, like that all still takes time. So I'm not sure that it would take off a significant amount of time. I could see potentially if that is curing faster that it maybe could take off several minutes but I can't imagine like well, like I said I haven't tried it myself so I'm not going to speak and say that this is totally full you know full mm -hmm. fact full thing but from my my perspective I would say maybe it could take off a few minutes at most okay but it depends That's on fair. the speed of the lash artist so interesting because the reason I'm also curious is we do apply in, for a dry treatment that I've done in clinic it's intense pulse light like I talked about earlier um when we apply this light around the eyes we actually put in corneal shields so we don't want to get too close to the lid margin or the upper eyelids especially with any form of a potentially damaging light so Unless we know the direct, the exact parameters, I would say that you're applying to the client's eyes. I really don't know how I feel about this whole UV light curing trend. Another thing is that one of the companies that I was looking into, I was looking at the glue. So there still is a glue. It's not like there's no glue involved. And in the ingredient list of the glue, there's still cyanoacrylate. So which leads me to think, what are we really trying to do here in terms of, are we trying to mitigate the potential for an allergic response, but the ingredient still has the allergic offender in there. So I'm, I don't understand. <laughs> right. And I, I mean, I don't sell the product. I haven't used it. Yeah. So I don't have a full answer on that one, but that is okay. a question that I have as well is it does still have cyanacrylate in it. And that is typically your ingredient that is causing the allergic reactions. I've seen lots of claims that it is great. You're going to be able to lash clients who have had allergies or sensitivities in the past. But then I'm hearing, and and it's so interesting because I'm hearing things from both sides of, okay, this, um, I've lashed previously allergic clients and they're fine. They don't have any reactions anymore. But then I've also seen a lot that have said, no, they're still reacting. So there's a lot of conflicting information. And I think for me personally, in these circumstances where there's a lot of questions about, there's a lot of conflicting information, I more err on the side of caution in the sense of, I'm going to wait this out and see how it does, see, you know, the actual 
results of using most product on people because I mean if you well and I think one of the big um, selling points for it is that retention is supposedly supposed to be better with it Um, whereas the extensions would stay on longer Um, from my point of view and I'm just speaking my opinion here People don't have to agree with me on this. I'm just going to put that out there because there is a lot of controversy on this. I have gotten some rather, I don't want to say aggressive, but just very passionate messages from those who are using this system already. And And I'm not saying anything bad about any companies, anything like that. But from my perspective, I just feel like um, if you are using good technique, you're using good quality products, and you are doing what you can as the lash artist to give the clients good retention, like you can have that same retention with just your technique and you don't need to be exposing clients to UV in their eyes to be able to get that same end result. That's just my opinion. Like I said, no one has to agree with me there. <laughs> um but thank you for sharing on that yeah. just because I mean that's not some, like UV lights I was reading about wavelengths I was reading about previous studies that's not something I know a whole lot about so I wanted to hear your opinion and kind of see what you thought about it um I will definitely be interested to see if this continues to kind of stick because like I said it there was a system that came out that really didn't from what I saw go very far. So I definitely am interested to see how it goes. Um, but thank you for sharing on that. If I can add one more thing, actually. Oh, definitely. Um, it leads me to think about how nail salons, you know how they use the UV or LED curing lights for their mm-hmm. nails. There's a whole controversy from even that perspective where you should be applying sunscreen or gloves or something over top of your hands as a protective layer. Obviously, I'm guessing the system is different in terms of how much energy is being applied to cure the nail versus to cure the lash adhesive. However, it's still food for thought for whoever's listening, I guess, to think about it from that perspective, because UV generally not so good around the eye still. So right. I think if if, you, if I were to give a one simple TLDR answer to that one, I'd say, no, I don't really think it's a great system in my opinion right now unless someone can prove otherwise right now (laughs) okay yeah and I I definitely would agree with you I mean with the some of the systems I've seen they come with glasses for the lash artist to wear to protect their eyes while they are applying so for me it's like well if you have to wear sunglasses then why are we putting that and and like why are we turning the light on in our clients eyes like that that's just my my unfiltered thoughts there like I said if you use the system I'm not judging you I'm not condemning you you do what you do your research do what you feel is best for your clients for your retention for your results but just that was something I thought about as if you know, if the lash artist is supposed to be wearing protection, why would we be exposing the client to that? And I think some of the argument there is that the client's eyes are closed, but like you're saying, that is the thinnest part of our skin. And supposedly it does not penetrate through the eyelid. Think about a tanning bed. You wouldn't go into a tanning bed without some form of eye protection. So similar idea, but regardless. (laughs) I I agree with you there, but I'm just repeating what I've been done. 
I've honestly done quite a bit of research on this recently, um, especially because I was getting very passionate DMs about it. So I was looking into it and reading more about it and everything I was reading, was just said, there's not enough research to back it up. Exactly. I've read from a couple companies that there is supposedly like a 13 or 14 year study that's been done on the product um, with this light being exposed to the eyes. I think I am not sure if that's available to look at anywhere, if you have to buy the results of that study or what, but that's just what I've yeah. heard. And um, at the end of the day, I think it's just important to point out that, you know, we are the professionals as the eyelash extension specialists as you know the licensed professionals in states that require licenses and at the end of the day it's our responsibility to make sure that what we're using is promoting safety for the clients and health for the clients and if you have any questions on that I would personally recommend erring on the side of caution and for myself this is one I will be waiting out a little bit like I said there's nothing wrong if you're using it but thank you for sharing your thoughts on this though not at all thank you for bringing it to my attention (laughs) (laughs) yeah I would be interesting or interested to follow up on with you on this in like six months or something and see you know (laughs) just how kind of it plays out and maybe if you learn anything more about it over the next six months or to a year um, I'll have to touch base with you on that sounds good I want to hear your side of things too so (laughs) yeah well I'm definitely going to be keeping tabs on how it goes on my end just because I do like to stay up to date and you know there are other trends like uh, pre-made lash fans and things that used to be just such a big no-no in the industry because they were so much heavier on the eyes and the um, natural lashes and it just was causing natural lash damage and those types of things but they have come a long way and they've evolved and they've gotten better and they're a really great product to be using now and something that does save on time as well the pre-made lashes were very looked down upon and now there's something that are very widely used and accepted so this could end up being the same way I guess we'll just see how it goes just hope that if it does then there's more studies (laughs) that's and that's what I saw the one of the passionate messages that I got I just responded that like I just would love to see more studies done on this I would love to see more independent research done on it as well Mm -hmm. not just from the labs or sorry not the labs but like basically the manufacturers who are creating it exactly Um, so yeah, any scientific study, it's not all the same. So there's, it's it's not just like a case report, <laughs> but we could right. dive into that whole rabbit hole there. But regardless, yeah, not every study is, is valid is what I'm trying to get at. Right, but definitely. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for sharing on that. Um. So any, oh, one more question. So what are your take on long lash lengths? Can this affect eye health? I believe you made a reel or a post about this recently, but I would love to have you share more about it here on the show as well. Of course. Um, Yes, long lashes can cause, I guess, some detriment to eye health. Part of the reason is traction alopecia, which I'm sure you guys have heard of. So this is where it's like a super tight ponytail can cause hair loss just because there's constant sort of trauma to the follicles of your hair. But similarly, when you apply a lash that's, let's say, too heavy or too long onto a client's eyes, it can cause a lot of damage to their eyelash follicle. And over long-term use or sometimes short-term use, depending on how healthy that lash follicle is, it can cause permanent sometimes lash loss to the client. And we don't want that. Um, It's mainly the weight of the lash. (laughs) Okay, awesome. And I think you were saying earlier too, you know, lashes are only meant to be 
one third of the eye. And so when you extend that, it can cause dry eyes as well. Is that an issue that you've seen happen with patients who maybe have longer lashes or is that something you haven't seen a lot of? That's fair. Um, I actually haven't seen that many patients come in with super, super, super long lash extensions, which I'm very thankful about because that would <laughs> start a whole new conversation, in my opinion, that I would have with them. Um, but I do notice a lot of patients that do come in with lash, lash extensions in general do have a bit more dryness, and it's part of that whole wind tunnel effect. So part of it is taking knowing when to take breaks I guess is another really important thing so most of the patients that come in usually they'll tell me oh I've been doing lashes for a couple of years I'm like okay that's great but if your eyes are feeling uncomfortable to a point where you feel like it's time to take a break I think it's really time to take a break <laughs> so because dry eye is the reason why optometrists are so passionate I guess about the anti-lash extensions is because dry eye is a chronic disease so what can happen is in the beginning it can just be an inconvenience but if they're not getting the proper diagnosis or treatment with or without lash extensions, it can cause quite a quite a large decline to the quality of life down the road. So let's say we see a patient who's 80, who's had dry eye for, let's say, 20, 30 years. At that point, it's not even just damage control. It's just keeping them comfortable. So our main goal is to prevent them from getting to that point. And that's why it's important. That makes a lot of sense and definitely something to watch out for. Um, I personally have not heard of dry eyes being an issue caused by eyelash extensions so that's why I wanted to ask you about it because I was very intrigued by your post about it and wanted to learn more with it and so thank you for sharing um I hope at the end of this episode that it just really encourages lash artists to do their own research on things to learn more about the health of the eyes because that's really something we do want to protect so doing more research on adhesive ingredients, products you're using, potential products you might want to use, and just really not just taking someone else's word for it or what you read or see on social media or by companies who are selling the products um, or even in lash trainings, because there's a lot of things we learned in lash trainings even two or three years ago that maybe aren't as applicable at this point. Um, there's a lot of evolution that happens in the industry. And just, you know, even in the last two or three years, there's been different changes and evolution in the industry as far as products and technique and retention and aftercare and just really staying up to date with that and continuing your education, continuing to take the newest lash trainings and doing your own research and not just taking everyone's word for things because that's how, you know, we learn more and we are a newer industry. So definitely raising the standard of education with that by just making sure to do your due diligence on the safety and the health of your client's eyes and making sure that you're educated on that. 100% agree. Even in the healthcare space, things are changing every day. So we have to stay on top of things. So do you guys. Oh, definitely. And I can only imagine that can be a lot to keep up with, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, so um, it, it's nice that I get the social media aspect to keep up with the things like the UV curing lamps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah keeping you up to date with the trends. Thank for you. Sure. <laughs> so any last thoughts, advice or tips for us as far as lash extensions and eye health goes? Last tips are, I guess, if you're ever seeing a client that has the red eyes, like we talked about earlier, or something you're just unsure about, just ask the client, when's the last time they had their eyes checked? 
So usually I would say every two years is when insurance covers the client again for an actual eye exam. But if they're having other issues and you can identify it, you can do the patient a huge or the client a huge service by just telling them to go and get it looked at. You guys are working around an area that's obviously very passionate for us as optometrists. So you see the patients or the clients more than we do. And it's really nice if you, and it's good and empowering if you can actually maintain their eye health and send them to see us if they have any concerns. Yes, I, I totally agree with that. And I think a really good comparison to, you know, just even hit this point home even more is just with estheticians, you know, they work around the skin a lot more and working with their clients a lot more. And they often refer their clients out to skin doctors if they see an area of concern for mm -hmm. potential, you know, they're not saying, hey, this is skin cancer, but they're saying, hey, I saw this area that might be concerning you know, I'm going to refer you to your I don't know, dermatologist, I guess would be the doctor you go to, right? <laughs> um, I almost said eye doctor because that's what we're talking about. But I'm like, wait, that's not the right one. Um, but yeah, I think that that is comparable. And, you know, don't ever be scared to refer your clients out to an eye doctor. I always tell my client or my students, like, it is better be safe than sorry. It's out of our scope of practice for things. Just refer them out to their doctor. Um, and I think that sometimes there can be lash artists that get nervous about that or get scared to refer out or they're just newer. Maybe they just don't know to refer out. So I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that that is very valid and a very important thing because we do see our clients so much more often and we can be that, um, you know, that almost warning voice of, you know, hey, go get checked out. And then that way, you know, it might be nothing. It might be something. But at least at the end of the day, you know, you did your part to help that client out and maybe even prevent things like you're talking about working on prevention um, versus, you know, damage control. Exactly. I think I've said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I so appreciate you coming on tonight. Where can they find you online to connect with you? Because you have been posting a lot of lash extension education as far as eye health goes, and it's been very informative and fun to read from a lash artist's perspective. Well, thank you. Um, my Instagram handle is I look at I so I L U K A T eyes. That's actually a pun on my last name. So yeah, I love it, and that um makes a lot more sense because I saw your username at first. I'm like, how do you like? What are we? You know, like what's the <laughs> what are we saying here? But when I saw what your last name was, I was like, oh, that now I get it now. That that's yes. really cool because I love puns. I'm such a weirdo like that. My grandpa is really into pun jokes. So yeah. Um. Anyway, I love your username. <laughs> I'm going to put her links in the show notes below so that you guys can really easily go find her and follow her um, there. But yeah, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate you. And thank you for all you're doing to help with, um, you know, empowering lash artists with education. Not at all. Thank you for having me. It was fun. <laughs>